Esther here at the Garden. And this week, for Easter, we're talking about the aha moment. I'll just let you look at that for a minute, because I worked hard on that. So I figured out how to do it. Can you recall the last time that you had a moment where some sort of mystery was solved? Where there was a moment, even if it was brief, even if it seemed small or trivial, there was a moment of victory, a moment of relief, a a moment of fulfillment. One of those moments that eradicates something that has hindered your success or your progress or your understanding of a certain problem or a certain scenario or a certain situation, those moments can be wonderfully comforting. But those moments can also cause you to say, geez, I'm an idiot. You know what I'm talking about? Like, why didn't I see that before? How stupid can I be? Especially if you already experienced that aha moment for a specific puzzle or a problem once before, but you just forgot about it. Or if the solution you discover is so simple that it makes you feel like, man, I should have got it long before now. Aha. There's actually a definition in Webster for this. To express express pleasure at suddenly understanding or learning truth about something. I have two stories about aha for me. The first one is the Rubik's Cube. I remember when the Rubik's Cube first came out. Some of you might not be old enough to know what a Rubik's Cube is. I hope that's not the case. But for those of you that know, it came out, it was the rage. It was in the 80s, right? Or was it 90s, something like that? I can't remember. I'm so old now. They all run together, except for the 70s. That's separate from everything else. Um, But I'm in there, you know, I've got the Rubik's Cube, and I'm trying to figure out. I get one side easy, right? Getting the color on one side was easy. I got two one time. One time I got three, and I'm working, I can't figure it out for like six months. I'm trying to, all the smart people in my math classes are all, oh, it's easy, boom, 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 five minutes are done. And I was angry. And one day, I was at home, watching the Atlanta Braves, playing with my Rubik's Cube, and it clicked. I had the aha moment, and I solved the Rubik's Cube. Okay, that story's a total lie. I never solved the Rubik's Cube. But, but the point is, for some of you who did solve the Rubik's Cube, you know how I solved it? I just took the thing apart and put it back together with the colors in the right place. My sister peeled the stickers. That didn't work as good because you only do it once or twice and then it's done. Then you have like the blue side with a black label, you know, because trust me, it was blue before. <laughs> then, see the word photography? When I was young... From the time I could read, no lie, I'm embarrassed to say this, to the time I was about 13, I thought the word was photography. I'm not kidding. I thought photography. Mom, what is photography? She just laughed. She wouldn't say anything. She goes, you'll figure it out one day. (laughs) Boy, that was mean, wasn't it, of her? (laughs) So for years, I'd say photography. There was a sign for a photography shop near my house. I said, Mom, why do we always pass the photography shop? It's, you know, we're, I know we're close to home because we passed the photography shop, and she would always giggle. Why is that funny? And then one day it hit me. Oh, it's not photography. It's photography. Okay, that story is true. <laughs> the Rubik's Cube story was not true, but that one was true. So let's talk a little bit about 
a couple of aha moments. I want to talk about the disciples. You know, those guys that walked around with Jesus for three years, the 12 guys. You know, Peter denied Jesus three times on Good Friday before the rooster crowed. And I don't know if that's when he had his aha moment, but I think it was when the rooster crowed and he saw Jesus and then he ran away and wept bitterly. I think he had the aha moment there. Mark tells us in the Gospel of Mark that a lot of disciples did not believe that the, the reports that Jesus is actually resurrected from the grave, so he had to appear to them, hey, look, see, it's me. And they had an aha moment, but it took a visual. Thomas not only had to see Jesus was risen, but he had to actually put his fingers into the wounds on Jesus' hand. That was what it took for Thomas to stick his fingers in a wound. And, you know, maybe, and Megan gave me this, we were talking about this week, and Megan gave me this thought, and it was really good. Maybe the crucifixion was so brutal, so catastrophic, and so final that it overshadowed the previous three years. These guys have been hanging out with Jesus and seeing all the miracles and seeing him teach about the fact that the kingdom of Solomon and David is not what I promise. It's the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of my father. And he said the kingdom of heaven is like about 30 times in the book and they would always follow with a story explaining that the kingdom of heaven is not what the Jewish people thought it was, but it was a kingdom for all nations, a kingdom in the hearts of God's people. And maybe the crucifixion was so brutal and so emotionally traumatizing that they forgot all the other stuff. But the bottom line is, different catalysts for, for each one played out, and God used these different things to give them an aha moment, to explain to them, look, this is Jesus, he's resurrected. The pieces came together in their minds somehow, and I don't know where they were, who they were, where they were crying, or where they were cowering in fear, or what was going on, but at some point, each one of the disciples had a moment, oh, that's what he meant. And when it happened, there was no forethought or planning on their part. Most of them were hiding in fear. But we do know this. When the aha moment happened for the disciples, it changed the direction of their lives radically then there's another story about an aha moment it's actually our main passage for today i'm going to read it to you and then i'll kind of focus on the last few verses these are two marys that had hung out with jesus and the disciples the whole time good friday comes he's put to death and he's put in a tomb and after the sabbath after the passover after sabbath they get up early in the morning to go to the grave and check on the dead body now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the mother of Mary, Mary Magdalene and the mother of Ma and, and the other Mary, went to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and the angel came and rolled back the stone, and the angel was sitting on it like he was pimping up there on the stone. You'll look up. You think this stone was in the way? I'm an angel, dog. I roll that thing back. And he's sitting on the stone like the angel's like, you know, hey. What are you doing here? Rolled back the stone, sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards, by the way, the guards were there for this reason. The Romans wanted to make sure that nobody stole the body and pretended like he was resurrected because they heard rumors that he was supposed to come back to life after three days. And so they wanted to make sure nobody played any tricks. This is very historically verifiable, by the way, for those of you that have doubts. Romans kept pretty good records. 
Matter of fact, they hired a Jewish man, Josephus, to record all this stuff for them. And so the guards tremble in fear, and they became like dead men. I bet you they did. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen as he said he would. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb and with fear and great joy, both of them together. Can you imagine like what in the world is going on? This is so exciting. It's terrifying, but it's exciting. It's kind of like a roller coaster. Ran with great joy to tell his disciples and behold, Jesus intercepted them and met them and said, greetings. Yo, what's up, Mary? How you doing? And they came up and immediately they fell and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. I can't imagine the emotion in their heart when they see him. The very first people to see Jesus were not men. They were women. And I can't imagine what they must have been feeling in their heart, in their mind. It was so overwhelming, the reality of what was right in front of them, which, by the way, they believed before they even saw him. They believed the resurrection before they even saw him. They fell to the ground and worshipped him at his feet. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there I'll meet with all of you. They went to see a dead Jesus. They felt an earthquake and saw an angel. And then as they were running to disciples, their path was intercepted. I love that concept. Oh my goodness, Jesus, the angel's right. Jesus isn't there. The guards wouldn't let him out. We got to run till the disciples, they're running. And Jesus says, whoa, hey, how you doing? I just wanted to make sure you knew it was true. And they were so excited about running to the disciples, but at that moment, the first time they saw Jesus, what did they do? Their destination was changed. They said, you know what? The disciples... They can wait for just a little bit. Because I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to focus on my connection to him. And this whole thing really caught them by surprise, you know. I mean, they're going to the grave, you know. I can't believe Jesus died. We, our lives, we love this man and he's gone and he taught us all these things. Were they true? We don't know. You said he was going to rise. Maybe he did. We'll just go check. The angel, the earthquakes, the guards falling down like dead men. They're running to tell the disciples. Jesus appears to them. They stop. They forget about the disciples for just a moment. And all they can think about is, aha, it is true. It's him. So I want to go through this aha moment that they had and how it applies to us the first thing, what is the aha? What exactly was it that gripped their hearts and the hearts of the disciples later? What exactly was it? Before aha, let me explain this. Before aha, which is what I'm going to call this, we really can't comprehend true religion. We can comprehend church, and we may or may not like it. We may hate it. We may love it. 
but that's not aha. We can't comprehend the kingdom of heaven. Our understanding of religion before aha is very foggy. It's almost like, what is the point? Why would I subject myself to these stupid man-made rules? Why would I want to get up early on Sunday morning? Why would I want to give some of my money to some other people? I don't know. What? It's very foggy. It's like a spiritual Rubik's Cube. And without an aha moment, it's never solved. It's the miracle of understanding the kingdom of heaven. And by the way, if you've been here throughout this little series we've been doing, this is what the book of Matthew has been talking about. This is the kingdom of heaven. You thought it was this. It's not King David. It's not King Solomon. It's not me coming to destroy the Roman Empire. It's me setting up the kingdom of heaven that will live in the hearts of Jews and Gentiles. The kingdom is not earthly. The other thing the aha moment helps you understand is that grace is not religion. Grace is not emotions in church when the song is really good or when the sermon is really powerful. That's not aha. Grace is not any of those things. And you know what else grace is not? It is not some mystical inner peace that you can't explain. It just feels right. That's not aha. A good steak can make you feel right. The Bucks winning a game can make you feel right. Kentucky losing last night can make you feel right. Sorry. Not really. What it is, is that we are reliant on the cross and the resurrection, not our own deeds. Ephesians 1, 17 to 20, I'm just going to read this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, this is aha, spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that's aha, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. You can't know the hope until he enlightens your eyes. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? That's the aha. Not just that Jesus came, not just that he died, but that he rose again and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, the kingdom of heaven. That's the aha that we are reliant upon the work of Christ and his victory over death. That's what it is. Where does it come from? Does it come from your natural, raw intelligence? Did you figure out, aha, because you're so smart? I don't care. I think those people that did figure out the Rubik's Cube either cheated or got really lucky. Do you think the aha moment becomes you are so diligent in in your intense study of truth? Is the aha moment a result of your hard work? Look, I have an aha moment because I'm at church every Sunday. Is that how it comes? 
Does the aha moment come because of the way you were raised or where you were raised? No. Does the aha moment become because for some reason, for those that don't have an aha moment, you have some sort of superior moral compass inside of you that directs you to the right path? No. None of us have an aha moment because of anything to do with us. Because if you could, what would you do? I had an aha moment. What's wrong with you? Why can't you figure out Jesus? Why can't you figure out the resurrection? Why can't you figure out the power of Christ in our lives? Why can't you figure it out? Do you not have any morals? Are you not smart enough? Are you not disciplined enough to read the Bible every day? Well, I sure am. You have nothing to do with your aha moment. It is God initiated by the Spirit outside of and in spite of our own abilities or circumstances. Let me read that again. It is a God-initiated moment, initiated by the Spirit, outside of, in spite of, our own abilities or circumstances. Look at this verse. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Guys, these were the disciples who were with him every day. And even they couldn't get it until he opened their minds and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third, suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Now, you might think you know how you will be affected. But until you actually experience a God-initiated aha moment, you don't know what you will do. You don't know how you're going to live after it. And you don't know how you'll feel. Because you can't schedule it. I have decided, looking at my task manager on my smartphone, I'm very busy this month because it's Easter and all. But in May, late May, I'm going to have an aha moment. I'm going to figure out the Rubik's Cube of life. You can't schedule that. You can't choose the means. And I'm going to figure out this moment because I'm going to go and hear one of Pastor Joe's awesome sermons on that Sunday. I'm not going to go the Sunday before because I know that sermon's not going to be any good. This one will be good. I'm going to schedule the day and the means and this is how I'm going to respond. My emotions are going to overcome me. All my values are going to change. My priorities will be different. And I will be a new and transformed person. I won't be an alcoholic anymore. I won't be abusive to other people anymore. I won't be a liar anymore. I'm not going to be an addict anymore. I'm not going to be disrespectful to authority anymore. I'm going to become disciplined. I'm going to become responsible. I'm going to become better with money. I, this is how I will respond to my scheduled aha moment. That's silly. It is always initiated by God at his moment 
by his means to get his response that he wants from us. So the, last, the first one was, what is the aha moment? The second point was, what, what, where does it come from? And the third one is, who needs it? I think there are three types of people that need an aha moment. The first one is some of us that need to be reminded. Maybe this Easter service is a catalyst you didn't plan for. But you know what happens? Especially with those who already are Christians who understand the death and the resurrection of Christ and the victory through the cross. Sometimes our passions get misdirected by politics or money or careers or friends or addictions. Our focus gets obstructed somehow and our aha behavior, the way that we behaved, the way that we responded when the moment clicked in our mind, that behavior becomes infrequent. It's like this. It'd be like the women, Mary, the two Marys, they come from the grave and they see Jesus again and they don't fall at his feet. No, we got to go tell the disciples about you. No, we've seen this before. Yeah, we got it, you're alive. We're just going to go. That's what we Christians become like many times, is it not? No, no, we've seen this before. Move along. I got brunch to get to for Sunday. I made reservations a month ago. We got to get there. So we long, what happens is, we long for those times that we are reminded of the resurrected Jesus and our hearts want nothing else but to fall at his feet and reconnect with our Savior. That's why we love worship. Because it reminds us of that God-initiated aha moment. There's another person, some of us that are searching and waiting. Maybe this Easter is the catalyst you didn't plan for for that too. Maybe it was just a precursor to an expensive brunch that you made reservations for. I don't know. Maybe you have a family gathering. So maybe Easter's just kind of like in the way of your day's plans. Maybe you, in reality, did not make room for the powerful message of Easter. You just added it to your agenda. Sometimes church people, just like the disciples, can hear truth for years. You can listen to sermons you can even download podcasts. You can serve on teams. You can feed the poor. You can do tons of stuff with students. But you still don't connect the dots. And you can be passionate about your church. You can be passionate about your denomination. You can be passionate about your city. You can even be passionate about your political party or your country. But not passionate about the resurrected Jesus. Then there's a third person that needs the aha moment. Some of us who aren't even looking. You know, this is the funnest one for me to watch. When you aren't looking and the spirit slaps you upside the heart. As a shepherd, as a pastor, and I mean this, I really wish 
I really wish I could manufacture it. For people that I know need it, right? I wish there was something I could do to intervene somehow. I wish it could be a good sermon or an offensive video clip. <laughs> I wish Megan could do it with just the right song, with just the right words, with just the right arrangement. But we can't. We can't. As bad as a pastor as I want to reach into some of your hearts that I know have not been awakened yet and say, hey, be slapped upside the heart. I wish I could do it. I'm powerless. I can talk about it, but I can't affect the change. All I can do, all we can do is pray for it for our hearts and the hearts of those we love. So what do we do with this? How am I asking you to respond to this aha moment that you really have nothing to do with until it slaps you upside the heart? A God-initiated aha moment cannot be planned. It cannot be managed. And it cannot be defined in advance. All you can do is just make room for it when it hits you. Because a real aha with Jesus will shake up your life, guys. And as a matter of fact, it's one of the evidences that it happened. Is there an aha moment about Jesus and the resurrection that you need to make room for today? Has something, has God used something that we've sung about or something that we said? Has God worked in spite of our flaws and our insufficiencies and our deficiencies to reach into your heart right now and say, hey, the death and the resurrection was for you so that you might have life? Maybe you're supposed to make room for it today. I invite you to pray with us this morning. Father, thank you. Um, thank you for your spirit, which will provide for us um, a way to truly open our eyes and see you, Lord. We pray um, for your spirit. We pray 